to another edition of the Weber State Weekly Game Day Show. I'm your host, AC, and I'm joined by a couple people here. I got my normal partner in crime, Dustin Chappie Chapman. No game today. At least there's some good games around the country. And I'm also joined by former Wildcat linebacker, former All Big Sky player, defensive captain at Weber State, and a man whom Jay Hill himself called a Wildcat legend, Austin Tesh. How's it going, guys? Good to be with you. And we are stoked to have you here, Austin. We got a big show today. Even though it's a bye week, we're still here. It's Saturday. We're ready for some football, and we're going to break it all down for you. So today on the show, we're going to be talking about the UC Davis game come that just happened last week. We're going to be talking about bye weeks. How do they impact the team? We're going to take a look ahead to Northern Arizona. And finally, we're going to wrap it up by flying around the sky and making our picks around FCS football this week. But first, we want to thank our sponsor, WildcatRack.com. WildcatRack.com, you can find all your officially licensed Weber State gear. It's locally owned and operated by people who love the purple and white just as much as you and I. WildcatRack.com, we're thankful for them. We're grateful for them. Go check them out. Get you some Wildcat gear. also want to remind you to... Subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're going to be there. You can go to Spotify. You can go to Stitcher. You can go to Apple Pods. Subscribe to us. Rate rate our podcast. Review us. Help us get into the ears of as many Wildcat fans as possible. We're also very active on social media. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter. Twitter is the best place to reach the Weber State Weekly team, especially on game days. And you can email us. Info at WeberStateWeekly.com. We're available there as well. So, fellas, let's take a look at this. Let's go back to the UC Davis game last weekend. First game at Stewart Stadium in a long time, far too long. Wildcats with a come-from-behind victory, 18-13, to to beat the Aggies. Fellas, I want to get some takeaways. Tell me some good things that you saw in the Davis game. Let's start by talking about the offense. Chappie. I know it was a little bit rough, but tell me some good things you saw in the offense against Davis. So the big takeaway for me on offense, I went back and rewatched the game. I was there in person, then rewatched it uh, early in the week. And I am more and more impressed with Bronson Barron now than I was in week one. may sound weird because he had a great game week one, but what I, and his numbers were not great. Let's get that out of the way. But I love the kids intangibles. Okay. He, he didn't, he, he didn't throw balls. He didn't try to force things. He threw balls away when he was supposed to. Um, he made the right read when he was supposed to. He, he just, he did a lot of the things that you expect a, a much more mature quarterback to do. And, and the kids doing it as a true freshman. So I know, you know, some people think, oh, maybe he, you know, maybe it's time for a change. His numbers weren't that great. Don't look at the numbers. Look at what this kid is going to become in the very near future and look at the, the, the plays he's making, the way he's making those plays. He's doing it as a much more, he's doing what a much more advanced quarterback does than somebody that's a true freshman. So, Austin, the numbers were down in the UC Davis game. Right against Idaho State, Bronson Barron was Big Sky Player of the Week. The the stats were looking incredible. This week they're down a little bit, and so I'm going to ask you the same thing. What were some good things that you saw from this Davis game? Yeah, I I echo a lot of what Chappie said. I mean, you look at Bronson Barron, and you kind of take his stats just at face value. It looks like he you know went from game of his life to 
you know, one of the worst games ever, but you kind of think about, well, how the game played out. There was a lot of just kind of, I would say lack of execution of a lot of plays in the first half, just causing them to get behind and have to really come back. But I'm super impressed with the way the team came together and rallied. Um, and that's honestly what a championship team does. I mean, they rally at the, in the second half, uh, they come out firing and really just seal the game off. And, you know, it was super cool to watch how they all just kept rallying around Bronson. I mean, that, that third quarter stretch, you know, when they finally got some points on the board and just kept ticking them on, um, that was big. That was big time. That was definitely a veteran, you know, a bunch of veteran drives, a um, bunch of guys really just going out there and saying, I want this more than you. And finally executing a lot of what I'm sure coach hammer and coach Hill had game planned, um, for the offense that game. So I, I think that was what was most impressive offensively was just, you know, especially that third quarter rally, but just how they finished the game. So for me, offensively, I loved looking at the running game in, in this game against Davis. And I say that because when you consider where Weber state was in 2019 and you look at where they're at now, a third of the way through the spring season here, funny to say that, but a third of the way through the spring season, you look at the depth chart in 2019, it was Josh Davis, Kevin Smith, Chris Jackson. And right now, Kevin Smith, Chris and Chris Jackson, they're not playing. So you got Dante McMillan, you got Daniel Wright, two people who weren't big names. They weren't very well-known names among Wildcat faithful coming into the season. And in this game, as well as the Idaho state game, those two dudes behind Josh Davis, they're showing up. They're showing up, right? Dante's got three touchdowns through two games. Daniel Wright had that incredible touchdown run down to the, to the near side from where I was sitting in the, in the game. And so I've, I loved watching the running backs. I love seeing what they did against Davis for me. That was my takeaway. I also love seeing the fact that this team is willing to take a deep shot, right? There were a couple of deep passes down the field where Shahid or someone else beat the defense, but the passes were just a little bit long. I love seeing the willingness to go deep though. To me, I think that's a big, uh, a big jump, a big uh, change from what we saw in 2019. And through two weeks, Matt Hammer has clearly displayed a desire to go deep, <laughs> especially yeah. with Rashid Shahid. And, and honestly, I, I think Jay Hill mentioned in the post game, but it was just execution. You know, the balls placed a little bit better. Guys, maybe don't drop. It. I mean, the score easily could have been reversed at halftime. We could have had two touchdowns very easily and nobody's you know angry about the offensive performance because they were both good balls. Could it could have definitely been different. Yeah, it was there. It didn't feel forced, right? It felt like it was the right play. Just didn't put it quite on the spot. So now I want to flip things. I want to take a look at the defense against Davis and see kind of how they did, you know, against Idaho state. Some people were feeling, feeling a little bit down on the defense. They gave up over 300 passing yards. They gave up kind of a late push to the Bengals, but against Davis, whom I believe most people would consider to be better competition than Idaho state, the defense felt like it was lights out. So Austin, I want to go to you. What were some good things that you saw from this defense in the game against the Aggies? Yeah. So, I mean, being a defensive guy, I, I feel like I critique them much harder and especially where there is a good group of veteran guys um, that are out there along with a lot of young guys. Um, I feel like I have really high expectations of them. Um, so their stats look really good, honestly. 
but I know they can look even better. Um, I know that every week coach Hill and his pretty much game plan, you know, the plan to win, he talks about different goals, um, where he wants to hold them under rushing, where he wants to hold them under passing, where he wants them to hold them under total yards, um, key players that he kind of wants to basically take out of the picture. You know, we want to stop this guy because he's really, you know, our biggest threat. Um, this is how we're going to do it. Um, I feel like they could have done a better job executing that, but I'm really proud of a lot of the young guys coming in and taking a stand. And honestly, a lot of big plays were made when they needed to be made. And that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day. Um, some of the stats, at least looking at it, uh, too many first downs. Um, I, I, I think the defense really could have, you know, got a lot, got out of a lot of those drives, um, helping the offense out, get better field position. Um, I feel like, you know, field position, uh, ball possession and takeaways really is, is what you really want to strive for on defense. You know what I mean? It's putting your offense in a position to do what they do. And I feel like the offense didn't get a ton of chances, uh, to have great field position. Um, I feel like the defense did do a good job though, and good enough to, to beat them. Uh, looking at rushing, I mean, UC Davis rushed for 185 yards. That that's too many. If you ask me or coach Hill, I guarantee he probably challenged him to keep it at a hundred, um, maybe at least in that ballpark. Um, so, I mean, let him have a, a few less rushing yards and, um, uh, you're, you're golden, honestly. And, and the, the script is flipped, um, because our offense only had 121 the whole game. And, you know, a lot of that came late in the game, but really whoever establishes the running game first is going to start putting points up on the board. And, you know, I know that was coach hammers game plan. That's why he kept throwing Josh Davis in the game. And honestly, you're going to see a lot of teams tee off on that. You know what I mean? Josh Davis debatably is your best player on offense. Why you're going to give him the ball. You want him to do, go do his thing. And so when he's in the game, teams are just going to kind of tee off on that. And so you got to be careful not to, run Josh slick, but you also got to make sure you're using your other weapons too. You know, we have probably the best receiving core that Weaver's ever seen that they have right now. So it, it's, they're really set up for some, some awesome things. Um, switching back to the the defense though, um, they did do, do a good job. They got two sacks, you know, they held them at critical points. Um, but like I was saying, there's just some drives that they really should have gotten out of. Um, but it was really cool to see a lot of the young guys step up and make plays. Um, I would say if there's anything that they should work on this bye week, it would just be, um, not missing tackles. Um, there's a few critical missed tackles that I saw, um, guys, maybe not pursuing and taking proper angles for some of the plays that broke big. You clean up a little bit of that. And honestly, it's going to be a night and day difference. And I mean, it's a couple drills a week. And I really think that the coaches, I already know that they've seen it. So you're going to see a whole different defense come out and just rock NAU, in my opinion. <laughs> so, so Austin, here's a quick question for you. Uh, we've heard this from a few former players now, and I've heard Jay Hill talk about this a little bit too in interviews that, you know, accountability is like the name of the game in the program, right? You're, you're setting those goals and you guys are reviewing them. I mean, if you, if you can tell us what that, like, what is that post game meeting? Like, are you going over those goals and what happens? What happens if you don't meet them? What, what is the, what's the consequence? Yeah, absolutely. So usually the Thursday before a game, coach Hill comes to us with the, with the game plan, the official kind of, Hey, 
you, let's put the pen to paper. These are our goals. This is our plan to win. And honestly, he, I think he actually presents that plan to win on Monday, but then we review the goals Thursday. Um, and so those guys, you know, they've got their scouting reports. They've been watching film for a few days. They've got a few more days to watch film. Um, and then they can really kind of hone in on what it is that they need to do themselves to make the team successful. So after the game, we basically just do a breakdown. Okay. This was our plan to win. And basically you can either have a bunch of check marks saying, yes, we reached our goal. And then the next game, we kind of up that goal or, you know, we base it a little bit differently. Like say, you know, there's a few years where let's say Eastern Washington was averaging 600 yards of offense. And it's like, okay, we cannot let these guys come in and just move the ball like that. Like there's, there's no way you're going to win a game when you're letting the opponent have 600 yards of offense. Like we've got to shut down the run game, keep them to around a hundred yard ballpark. And I, I want to say that's a very typical goal. You're, you're always going to have a goal of rushing for a hundred yards. You got, you got to keep them at a hundred or under. And honestly, we even got pretty ambitious at some points in, in my career there where, I mean, it was, you know, we were like, okay, we're going to hold these guys to 50, you know, we're, we're really going to put the work to them. And I mean, a lot of times it would blow your mind, but I mean, we'd go out there and do it. And those were the games when the fans are just like, yo, like they're killing it out there. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, just, I mean, after the game, we're basically saying, okay, you know, did we get our goals on defense? Great. Did we get our goals on offense? Great. And we're both accountable to each other. You know what I mean? We're not, we're not just making it one sided, you know, and I would say most games, you know, the defense would have a great game and the offense would have a bad game or vice versa. You know, the offense, they would go out there and they would just move the ball all day. And for some reason on defense, we couldn't figure out how to stop you know, a certain play or a certain, you know, scheme and it just became a struggle. And so being accountable was huge and honestly just learning from it. I mean, I feel like that was the biggest way we would learn and going forward opponent to opponent each week, we were able to just make those changes. And by the end of the season, I mean, that's why we were, you know, making deep playoff runs is because we became a veteran accountable team that basically just held each other to those standards. And we would go out and meet, reach our goals every week. So it really is just, you got to trust the process. Like they say, I mean, you really do. So Austin, I want to ask you another question specifically about this Davis game and game planning. So you talked a lot about stopping the run, how important that is for a defense, for a team to set the tone in the game, right? Stopping the run is super important. And this Davis team, if you watch the game against Idaho state, they had Alonzo Gilliam who ran wild against yep. Idaho state. Yep. In addition to that though, you got Hunter Rodriguez, who's a mobile quarterback had 70 rushing yards against the wildcats. And so you've got kind of a dynamic duo back there in the running game from a defensive standpoint, schematically, how do you stop that? You want to hold someone under a hundred yards. you got a, a really good running back. You've got a mobile quarterback. How do you limit it? Yeah, honestly, that, I, I noticed that the whole game. I mean, that was almost their bread and butter. You know, they would, they would get their running back. They'd run a run play, you know, first play. Awesome. He just got six, seven, eight, you know, sometimes at first down. I mean, they're running back. He, he's a, he's a runner. Like he's real deal. Um, and I was really impressed with him, to be honest. And it would, you, you would have to tackle him properly. You know, you saw a lot of guys go in, try and make a tackle and just drip off of him because, I mean, guy's a runner. He knows how to do it. Um, 
And then, yeah, you see the quarterback. I mean, it gets crunch time. It's third down, which they got in a lot and they got a lot of third down conversions. Um, he's gonna, he's gonna take matters into his own hands. You know, if he, if he makes his reads, sees it, um, he's going to pull it, he's going to keep it and he's going to run around you. And then you can't forget he's got an arm too. So, I mean, that, that's the, the predicament that they're wanting to put Weber in. You know what I mean? They're wanting to put their back against the wall and say, okay, how are you going to stop us? Because honestly, you know, we're a triple threat. So what you basically got to do, I, in, in my humble opinion, I mean, you've got to have somebody key the quarterback. You can't just let him, let him do that play after play after play. And honestly, Coach Hill picked up on that. You know, he would have the safety. I want to say I watched Preston key the quarterback two or three different times on third down or, you know, on a critical down when you knew exactly what they were going to do. The quarterback was going to try and take matters into his own hands. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're basically just lining up from the guy across from you and you're saying, hey, I'm going to stop you. And, you know, I've got you, you've got me, you know, man on man. And yeah, that's, that's what you've got to do. So you've got to gap it out so that the quarterback can't pass it off. You, you've got to have your ends making proper reads, making them either give it or, you know, make a tough decision. And those are some calls that you make on defense. You know, maybe you give a chase call to the D end to force the quarterback to keep it. And then you've got Preston coming over the top of you because you know that the quarterback's going to keep it. So, I mean, he's going to scrape right off your butt, nice and tight, make that tackle in the backfield for a TFL. I mean, it's, it's honestly bread and butter. And guys just have to basically square up and do their thing. Yeah, I think that it, that was a challenge for Weber State at times in this game against Davis. It's it's so difficult defending a team that's got a killer running back and a mobile quarterback. Overall, I mean, it wasn't picture perfect. Weber State kind of made UC Davis a little bit one-dimensional in the fact that they shut the pass down pretty well. But overall, it was it was a little sketchy at times stopping the run, but Weber State ends up getting the win 18-13 anyway. And I do have to correct myself. I said that UC Davis was playing Idaho State. That is not the case. They were playing the team even further north, Idaho, not Idaho State. So that takes us to today. We're here. It's our second bye week of the season in a very young season, a very strange season. And we've got our second bye week. That it should be the last bye week of the season if everything goes according to plan. And Chappie, historically, Weber State has struggled a little bit coming out of the bye week. And uh, we saw that a little bit against Davis this last week. Do you think that we're going to end up seeing that same thing this week with this bye week? Um, I, I heard Coach Hill address it in the in the postgame show with Steve Clocky after the game that, you know, just frankly said that, you know, we have to get better uh, after bye week. So I'm sure that's going to be a focus. Uh, McKay Murphy even kind of talked a little bit about it on our postgame show on Saturday. You know, I expect obviously they're conscientious of that. So they're going to do what they can. Uh, I'm interested in it being a bye week because, you know, originally we're supposed to have a bye week this week to, for makeup games and then a bye week at the end of the season, the end of the regular season for makeup games. The one at the end of the regular season is now gone. Uh, and what I think is interesting about the bye week this week is if we do make a deep playoff run, there's going to be a lot of games in a row. We're going to be playing, what, seven, potentially eight weeks in a row. That's, that's a lot in any season to be playing consecutively. So, Austin, 
You're a guy who's you've been through a lot of these bye weeks. You've seen these struggles. What do you think goes into that? Why why does that happen with Weber State? You know, uh, I've I've seen both sides of the coin. You know, I feel like when I first got to Weber, um, those first couple of years, we actually came off the bye and lost games. Um, that happened twice, and one of them was actually to NAU. Um, I feel like with bye week, it's very easy for guys to get into a mentality of, oh, it's an off week. You know, I basically just have to go through the motions, um, not necessarily with the ambition of I'm going to get better this week, or I'm going to be more prepared this week and next week for this team coming up than they will be for me. Um, and, and really it, it, it's almost like a mindset. And then when other people are kind of not in that same mindset. It, it's just, you know, very kind of lackadaisical vibes, it, it seems. Um, and, and honestly, it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, honestly, a lot of the bye weeks that we've had, they were, you know, mid season. So we're all banged up. We're all just trying to basically, you know, get our bodies healthy again, um, get our mojo back and kind of take that deep breath before we make that you know, deep drive into the playoffs where, yeah, we, we don't get a break. You know what I mean? You're going eight, 10 games in a row. Um, and so, I mean, historically we, we just did not do good coming off, um, coming off buys. Um, I feel like it was like a curse almost, you know, coach Hill would bring it up every time there's a bye week and even still, um, you know, even though we've won coming off a bunch of buys, you know, for the past couple of years, um, I wouldn't say we've ever come off just firing. You know what I mean? You, you want to come off almost like a fresh guy off the bench. Just, you know, he's going to come into the game and do some damage and, and then we move on. Um, I feel like some things that have really changed, um, you know, for the betterment have been kind of the layout of how we do by weeks. Um, I mean, we, we've tried about everything, honestly, from practicing every day that week, as usual to cutting back to where we don't practice at all to, you know, giving only certain days off. Um, but I really think it came down to just the mentality of everybody. It's like, Hey, you know what? We may not have a game this week, but we have to get better. And really, I think, you know, coach Hill flipped the script a little bit where he's like, okay, you know, I understand the importance of both, you know, that we have to get better, but also that you have to rest. And so we're going to work you. We're going to do the normal things at the beginning of the week. You know, I'm going to give you a couple of days off, but then, you know, usually that Saturday or something, we would get together and we'd do a, a walkthrough and we would talk about film and everything and really getting more, even more prepared for um, whoever the opponent was. Um, and I think that really just helped the mindset, just having a good balance of both, you know, cause I mean, you've got to stay healthy to be able to make a long run into the playoffs. It's just, it's key for any team and then key for any kind of backup to be able to come in because guys are going to go down. It's just, it's part of the game. Um, and so I, I think definitely trying to flip the script in that way. Um, it's been, it's been better, but you could, you could definitely see that even this past week, Weber State kind of came off slow. Um, they really didn't come alive until the second half, you know, at least offensively to, to get some points up and, so it wasn't, it wasn't that same, but I'm excited to see, you know, how they flip the script again this week and really come off and, and do well. I, I really think that, 
you know, they'll get it dialed in and just realize that they've got to get better. Um, especially after a game like this. So it's always good to get a win in college football. Yes, it is always. And coming off a of bye week, something that Weber state has struggled a little bit with uh, historically in their recent years, uh, getting that win, you know, it's just so valuable. And in a short season, when each game is essentially counting as two games, you know, I, I don't think that anyone can discount the value of a win. And we had Connor Mortensen on our show this week, and he was talking a little bit about the bye week and how it's, it's exceptionally difficult for the offense to get itself into a rhythm, to really build on things going throughout the season. And this year where we've had two bye weeks, something that's been a bugaboo for the Wildcats in the past is just a little bit difficult. So let's move from one bugaboo, the bye week, to the next. Our the, the, our game next week here is Stewart Stadium, Northern Arizona, who's been a pebble in the Wildcat shoes in years past. In 2019, Weber State did get the best of the Lumberjacks here in Stewart Stadium, 51-28, a day when Josh Davis just kept running. Kept running all day, 328 yards, setting a school record. The year prior, though, Austin, I'm sure, remembers down in the Dome, Weber State ended up losing that one, 28-24. So, Austin, I want to start with you on this one. What is it about the Jacks that Weber State has struggled with in the past? You know what? It's hard to put a finger on it, to be honest. Um, I, I remember that game so well just because we were in the game the whole time. You know, it was really at the end that we just, you know, didn't convert on a couple things. We didn't stop them defensively the way we should have. Um, that really cost us the game. Um, I think, you know, just mental preparation definitely played a part. We were coming off a bye, you know, coincidentally. And I think, yeah, just mentally we weren't as prepared as we should be. I know we, we arrived at the game and in the first quarter, I was just gasping for air because their elevation, you know, they're a lot higher than us. And I was like, oh, yeah, it won't really affect us. And you get there. And sure enough, you're like, wow, this is different. <laughs> this is different. And so then you get into the game and yeah, they just, you know, they started kind of running away with it slowly. And so um, I think what hurts most about it is, you know, sometimes they'll be having a very mediocre season as a team. But for some reason, when we go to play them, you know, they start executing, they start, you know, coming out with all these things that we just struggle with and they, they really embarrass us. And I, I think that's, you know, where we really owe them, you know, and the same thing happened in, uh, let's see, was it the 2016 or 2017 season? You know, we, we were having a great season. We were really in our mojo and they came out and just embarrassed us. You know what I mean? I mean, they had uh, an NFL receiver just mossing our, our DBs. Uh, we couldn't stop the run game. Uh, the quarterback was making great reads and just, you know, putting the team on his back. And I mean, honestly, it just, we, we always, you know, remember those things. And so, you know, we, Weber really owes them um, in a lot of ways. And just, you know, you can never let up against those guys because um, they really will come and embarrass you. So, yeah, I, I, I agree with Connor. We, we still owe him. Yes. Northern Arizona as a team, they've been a little bit hit and miss so far this year in week one, they had that buzzer beating touchdown against the team down South and Southern Utah 
for the win 28 or no, excuse me. I don't think that one was 28, 24. Uh, they, they had a buzzer beater though, right? It was last second touchdown to win the game. And then their second game, they ended up getting housed by Eastern Washington, 45, 13. So Chappie, they're coming off a of bye week too. How are you feeling about this game next week against the Jacks? I, uh, I think all the players and coaches and everybody know what the, the stakes are this season that, that, you know, stubbing your toe, really does hurt a lot this year. So I expect them to come out just fired up, especially with some of the history here with Northern Arizona, where they have, we have stubbed our toe against them a few times when we've been really good. Uh, So I, I honestly expect them to come out. I mean, the defense last Saturday against Davis, I mean, they were flying, man. Like from moment one, you could just feel the intensity I, I'm pretty sure they're going to come out that same way again and just feel like they have something to prove because NAU has had, although they haven't been awesome this year, they have had great QB play. And I just, I expect our defense to really just come out and take it to them. I'm feeling surprisingly confident about this game. I know there's the bye week mojo. There's the whole voodoo stuff going on with Northern Arizona, but I, I feel confident about this week from everything I've seen from the players, from the coaches. I think that this team is locked in at a level that maybe we haven't ever seen from Weber state before. And I don't think that Northern Arizona is a team that's going to get Weber state to trip up. And so I I'm feeling fairly confident about the game next week. And it's here at Stewart stadium. I mean, let's be honest. Wildcats have turned this place into a fortress. People don't just come in here and win anymore. Right. You gotta, you gotta work hard. You gotta earn it. Weber state, I think is riding a nine game winning streak at home. I, I don't see the Wildcats losing that streak against Northern Arizona. By the way, I, I looked it up. I, I didn't realize that Flagstaff, I mean, it's, it's 6,900 feet, man. That is Ogden's like 40, 44, 4,500. We are, I think we're right at 5,000. Um, we, yeah, but they, I mean, Austin, that is what, oh yeah, we're at 4,300. Ooh. Yeah. That is, that's like almost the same thing that happens when California <laughs> schools come here with the elevation. That is, that's Notice. a game, man. Yep. Yeah, the the elevation is a killer in Flagstaff, and I'm pretty involved with the volleyball team as well. And they've told me just as much that it, playing in Flagstaff, that's it's a different ball game out there. So, yeah, this year we get Northern Arizona here at Stewart Stadium. I'm feeling confident about it. So. Prior to wrapping things up here, we're going to fly around the sky, but it's going to look a little bit different than it has in weeks past, Chappie, because this week we only got one game in the big sky. Everybody's got a bye week this week, except for Polly and Davis. So I'm going to toss it to you guys. We'll get some predictions here about what's going to happen around the big sky and around the nation. We've got a couple other big games going on. Let's start with the Mustangs and the Aggies, though. We got Polly, who did not look good in their first game of the season. And then you got Davis, whom a lot of people were impressed with their effort against Weber State. Chappie, Bo Baldwin's Mustangs going up against Dan Hawkins' Aggies. Who do you got? Yeah, the football coaches, the the common phrase is the most improvement comes between week one and week two. So Polly may be better than they were, but they did not look good. (laughs) You are absolutely correct there. Uh, So I definitely expect... Davis to, to, to win that one there, you know, they've got two games in the books. They looked really well coached against us. I fully expect Davis to come out ahead in that one. I actually expect that Davis win for us to look like a really good win by the end of the season. Austin, yeah. what do you think? And these two teams, you know, Polly and Davis, who do you think is going to win? 
I was going to say, I, I would echo what, uh, what Chappie said. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to disrespect any teams here, um, but Cal Poly and just, you know, the, the offense they run, the scheme, um, being, you know, an option team, um, having a lot of smaller guys, it, we were always in a battle with them. You know, it was always a physical battle and who's going to win the battle. Um, but you've also got great defensive schemes that come out and find ways to stop the option. Honestly, if Davis comes out, like they came out last week, um, it's, it's no question. They're going to, they're going to play great. Um, it might be a close scoring game, but from just the standpoint of dominance, uh, I can, you can definitely expect UC Davis to have a very dominant game against them. Well, this one's going to be boring because it's going to be a sweep for Davis. I'm taking Davis too. I think that every single Wildcat fan on the planet should be a gigantic UC Davis fan for the rest of the season, unless they potentially meet in the playoffs. But it's kind of feeling like the Davis game is going to be Weber State's big resume win. And from how things go in college football, you're going to want to see the teams that you beat play really well to strengthen your strength of schedule. So I, I believe my personal opinion is that Wildcat fans should be cheering for the Aggies. And I think that UC Davis ends up winning this one big. Now let's go around the nation. Now that we've wrapped things up in the big sky, a couple of big top 10 matchups going on today. First one, we're going to look at number six, visiting number five, South Dakota state going to Southern Illinois to take on the Salukis. Chappie, what are you feeling? So Southern Illinois, if they win this game, are they calling it like the, the Dakota sweep? I mean, is that what they would be accomplishing here? They, they've had two top five wins already this season. Um, hard to bet against the Salukis, but here's the rough thing for me. I mean, South Dakota State already has a loss. Yes, they're number six, but two losses in this season, I think makes it really tough for you to get in the playoffs. Uh, Southern Illinois also has a loss. So I'm not sure. I think both these teams are going to be playing for their life, but Southern Illinois, they already have two top five wins this year playing number six. Now it's hard to bet against them at home in this one. They've shown up in the big game. So I'm taking Southern Illinois. Chappie's taking the home team. Austin, what about you? Man, I, I feel like I'm just echoing Chappie a bunch today. I mean, you kind of see how it is, you know, teams fighting for their life. Um, teams really coming out representing it, you know, regardless of, of what the end result is, I think you're going to have a great game on your hands and definitely something you're going to want to catch. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I've been really impressed with the Salukis. Um, I, I believe they're going to come out with a W. I'll go against the grain here. I'm taking South Dakota state. I like them. I think that they've played well. I think that they've got a solid team and you know what? Somebody got to take a little bit of an upset special. It's number six over number five, but they're going on the road. I think South Dakota state's going to end up taking this one. And now we're going to get to the game of the week, a game that I think a lot of people around the nation, including wildcat nation are going to be paying attention to. We've got number two, North Dakota, maybe the surprise team in the entire country this season heading to their in-state rival, number four, North Dakota State. In the Dome, huge matchup, number two, number four, potential implications for Weber State in this one. Chappie, what are you thinking? So I kind of called my shot on our on our regular show this week. Um, I'm predicting that 
again, based off of what I said with uh, South Dakota State and Southern Illinois, two losses makes it really tough for you to get in the playoffs. Uh, North Dakota State, the perennial champion of FCS, they lose this week. They have two losses, and it is really tough to see a world where North Dakota State does not make the playoffs, but I think they're going to be fighting for their lives. North Dakota really does have a great resume. Uh, They deserve the ranking they have, but man, it's tough to pick against North Dakota State at home no matter what. So I'm going with North Dakota State. Austin, what do you think? The Bison are at home. Are they gonna? Are they gonna take care of their home field? Look, I'm sounding like a broken record over here. You gotta let me speak before Chappie. Let's say we should have let Austin go first on this one. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, look, this this is Bison football. This is big boy football. This is championship football at you know the most elite level. These guys. They understand they've got a, lo- a loss. They understand exactly where they're sitting. Um, they've got veteran coaches, veteran players, um, young top recruit players. I mean, they're going to put everything that they've got into the rest of the season to, to really make it count. Uh, I, I can't see these guys dropping another one this season until maybe sometime in the playoffs. Um, I mean, if they do, then yeah. I mean, maybe this is a different NDS, NDSU team that we've seen. Um, but I mean, as, as far as I've seen so far, um, I, I, you gotta take these guys and honestly as well, being at home, I don't know if you've ever watched a, a North Dakota state game, man, their fans, I mean, they, they rival a lot of the, uh, the, the fans in, uh, in the country, to be honest. I mean, they, they show up. I, we have pictures from, I want to believe it's the 2015 season of our game against them when Carson Wentz was their quarterback. And I'll tell you what, there's probably more yellow in Stewart stadium than there is purple. I mean, these guys really, really have an effect. I definitely 12th man. Even, uh, even if it's limited attendance, I always think that's funny because you've watched a couple of their games and you're like, is it really limited attendance in there? There feels like there's maybe more than 5,000 people. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's limited attendance in parentheses. <laughs> so yeah, I hard to doubt the bison on this one. I'm doubting the bison fellas. I'm doing it. Here's my logic. North Dakota has had a couple of games this year where they've just looked phenomenal. They beat Southern Illinois, the common opponent between these two teams. They absolutely crushed Southern Illinois, who then crushed North Dakota State. And in that game, Southern Illinois made North Dakota State look average. I mean, barely average. So North Dakota State this year is not the North Dakota State of years past. They've got a quarterback controversy. They're switching up the quarterback. I think North Dakota, excuse me, I think North Dakota is going to go into the dome. I think they're going to win this one. They beat South Dakota State, Southern Illinois. They got a couple huge wins so far, and they've looked phenomenal doing it. I'm taking North Dakota, number two, going to go in and beat the Bison at home. I'm calling it. Selfishly, I want North Dakota to lose because in my deranged mind, I have them losing uh, JMU not playing and people just turning on them and us being number one sometime Monday afternoon. That's that, that's the, the deranged fan mind in me, but we'll see. Chappie's keeping his fingers crossed, hoping that something good will come out of this for Weber state and they'll end up climbing in the rankings this weekend. 
Only time will tell. We'll see. A couple big games going on today. Well, we want to thank you for listening. We want to thank Austin Tesh for joining us. Before we leave, we want to remind you to please subscribe to podcasts, uh, to our podcast, wherever you listen to them. You can listen to it at WeberStateWeekly.com. You can go to Stitcher, Spotify, or Apple Pods. Subscribe to it. Rate, review, help us get out there, help as many people as possible listen to us so that we can keep continuing to deliver excellent Weber State coverage for you. Please follow us on social media. You can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Twitter is the best place to interact with the Weber State Weekly team. We're also very active on Instagram, constantly posting on there. You can also reach out to us via email. You can find us at Info at WeberStateWeekly.com. If you have a segment idea or if you have any questions for us, we'll be happy to reach out to you uh, via email. Info at WeberStateWeekly.com. So, fellas, we'll end this show how we always do by saying Weber State, Weber State. Great. 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 Go Wildcats. Oh!